So here in 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2, he makes a statement in verse 1, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto Him. Or look up here. He's going to come, and we're going to be gathered unto Him. That's called the rapture. And the rapture is not just for the obedient Christians. I've had some people say, well, all the obedient Christians will get to go, and those that are looking for Him, and those that are not ready when He comes, remember the ten virgins and all that. No, when He comes in the air for His children, every child goes, ready or not, here I come. Every believer will be caught up. Whether you're obedient or disobedient as a child of God will not matter. So once you've trusted Christ as your Savior, and you know you have eternal life because you're trusting Him to take you to heaven, you cannot earn your way to heaven by your good deeds. Salvation is the gift of God. He saves you by grace, not because you earned it or worked for it or deserved it. It's because God loves you. He paid for your sins. All you had to do is believe He did it for you. That will get you to heaven. Now what you have when you get there depends upon what you do for Him. So God has blessed us with a privilege of having some time. And this little time that we have is very valuable because it's so limited. It's priceless. I love that little commercial. This is priceless. But he says there in verse 2, Neither be ye soon shaken in mind or troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us that the day of the Lord, the day of Christ is at hand. He says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a fallen away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. All right, look up here. This day is coming. This day was prophesied in the Old Testament. This was not revealed in the Old Testament. This was a truth that was revealed by the Apostle Paul, from God to the Apostle Paul. So they saw the cross in the Old Testament. And they saw the revelation, Christ, the Messiah, coming as the lion, the king. They saw him as a lamb. They just had difficulty distinguishing between these two comings. So Christ came the first time as a lamb to be sacrificed for the sins of the world. He's coming back in power and great glory. But this day will not come until something else happens here. This will happen before this. This will happen before this. So now get this. Here in 2 Thessalonians in chapter 2. He says there in verse 3, in the last part of it, except there come a fallen away first. That, I believe, is a reference to the rapture, and that man of sin be revealed. Now, that means that we will be taken out of here. The man of sin will be revealed during this period of time. But it's always interesting because down through the years, there are those that try to, they call themselves preterists. They believe that the history has already been fulfilled, and you know we're now living in the kingdom, and you're talking about getting messed up on Scripture. They really do. But you see, this will take place, the rapture. Then the man of sin will be revealed. And we want to, and we always try to, find out who he is ahead of time. Don't we? And you'll find out that they have named all kinds of popes. It was Napoleon. It's been Hitler, the Antichrist. Even Obama has been called the Antichrist. All these people of the Antichrist. Well, so far, everybody's been wrong. So I'm going to tell you tonight who it is. <laughs> I'm lying. If I'm lying, I'm dying, and I'm dying. Now, 
He says he'll be revealed in his time. That means after we're taken out. Now, whether or not those who know Christ as Savior will know who he is, uh, that's a different story. But he will be revealed. And get what he says here. He makes a statement in verse 4, who opposes and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So we know that when he does this, he's revealing this is the Antichrist because he's the one that will do that. So that means the temple has got to be rebuilt. And it means that they'll have to have a peace treaty made with Israel. And I don't know if anybody's talking about a peace treaty today with Israel and things like that or not. Have you heard anything like that? Well, it's more of like they want to just totally annihilate Israel. Forget the peace treaty. And they want Israel in a peace. They, they want her in pieces. But this peace treaty with Israel is not going to come out probably and say, this is a seven-year peace treaty that's mentioned in the Bible. It probably won't even mention seven years. It just says there's going to be a peace treaty. A covenant's going to be made. We happen to know that it's going to be a seven years because we know that after three and a half years, they're going to break the treaty. And then we know that there's only three and a half years left. We know that this seven-year period of time it just happens to be the 70th week of Daniel. 69 weeks have already been fulfilled. That was done from time they issued a decree to go back and to rebuild Jerusalem, which was before Christ got here. And then when Christ died on that cross, it had to be a certain amount of weeks, which was 69 weeks. Then the Bible says there's one week left. Well, that week is right here. That's why it's called seven years. It's part of the 70 weeks of Daniel. 69 weeks, the Messiah will be cut off, and he was cut off. So this week is out here in the future. Because, see, this period of time right here is like a parenthetical expression in a sentence. You can take it out, and then it will flow right into the 70th week. This is where it starts and stops. Take that out. Push that over, and all the scripture just flows right in there. And this is why, when you understand this, you don't try to solve the problem here too soon, because you can guess and guess wrong. Wouldn't it be a shame for us to say, well, he's coming back next year, and go out on the limb? Some people have done that. Some people have given 88 reasons why he was coming in 88, and it didn't happen. Others have sold their property and give it all to the preacher. You know, that's a pretty good idea. Because, you know, he's coming back. He's coming. And then he didn't come. So I'm not going to set a date, even though I know it's tomorrow at noon. No. Wait until the proper time. All we need to do is concentrate upon the time in which we do live, not the time in which we don't live. I like knowing prophecy because it's a motivating thing. It helps me to keep focused upon what I'm supposed to do with my responsibility. In other words, let's say all this had been revealed to Noah. And God says, Noah, build me a boat. And Noah's building this boat, and all he could think about was the tribulation period and the millennial kingdom coming down the road. And that's all he thought about. You know, he could have thought about that and forgot to build the boat. 
And what if he forgot to build a boat? Well, they, it, nobody would have been saved. Everybody would have drowned. He has to do the responsibility God gave to him. Moses had to do the responsibility that was given to him. Now, God has given us a responsibility, and I like to focus upon my responsibility. That's why I try not to get buried in all the news that's going on in the world today. Do you realize how much there is out there? And what is happening in the world? Yes, I have a clue what's going on. But if I preached on what the world is preaching on and teaching on, what is it going to change? Did my responsibility get changed? How is it supposed to change what I'm already doing? All I want to do is just keep doing what I'm doing and keep myself focused upon my responsibility. And some things I'm not going to change. I don't believe that little old Yankee down here is going to change America. But if I want to save America, then I need, I need to get America saved. I believe that that's the most important thing. Because, see, the people are still going to die. If you save America, does that mean that the people are saved? Now they're going to heaven? So they need to be reached with the same gospel that we're talking about. But there are responsibilities we have as a, a citizen of America. I know that. But notice what else he says here. In verse 6, And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed. And what's those next three words? In his time. So I think I would be probably wasting some of my time if I'm trying to figure out who is the Antichrist. He's not going to do it till here, the peace treaty, when he sits in the temple. And I'm not even going to be here. But I do believe that we need to warn the world about what's coming. Because, see, that's part of our responsibility to teach the whole counsel of God. And then whenever you read and study the book of Revelation, he says, to the church. He that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And the whole book of Revelation was given to the church. So, I guess I'm supposed to study all of this and teach all of this because it lets us know. We're not going to be here bringing in the kingdom. No, because the kingdom's out here. We're not going to produce a utopia upon the earth because I already know what's coming down the road. And the next thing that I see coming is not a utopia. This is not going to be a paradise. This is the worst period of time that the world has ever known. And it lies right ahead of us. So therefore, what about the people that have not trusted Christ and the rapture takes place. I've had people say, well, that means that if you didn't trust the Lord, your opportunities are all over. You can't be saved after the rapture. Because, see, you missed out. And therefore, your opportunities are gone. And other people say, no, 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 no. Well, which, which way is it? Well, let's just take a peek and see what it says right here. The reason that some people believe that it's too late is because of what he says down here. Well, you see there in uh, verse 10, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Did you ever notice the gospel is teaching people that good news? The love of the truth. Isn't that a good definition of the gospel? It's the love of the truth that they might be saved. You have to hear the truth of how much God loves you. 
that he would save you by grace alone. See, salvation by grace reveals the love of God. To go into all the world and tell people, you know, you better be good to go to heaven. That's not good news. That doesn't tell you how much God loves you. That just shows you, you better be good or else. But when you talk about the good news, it's the truth of the gospel. He says in the book of Galatians in chapter 2 that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But he makes a statement, for this cause, in verse 11, God shall send them strong delusions that they should believe a lie, and that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So that they all might be damned who believe not the truth. So therefore, when the rapture takes place, you didn't believe it, you're blinded, you're damned to hell, and you can't be saved. Now, that makes it uh, pretty bad. But it's talking about those who heard, understood, and did not believe. But it goes even further than that. You see, I don't believe the Antichrist does all of that at the beginning, like he does at the end. Because he is the lie, the liar. And he is deceiving. But now notice, he will be able to deceive. But also, I believe, during this period of time, there are going to be 144,000 Jewish evangelists preaching. What about the people that we've already sown seed to? And that maybe you never really understood and so forth. They never trusted the Lord. The rapture takes place. Then it says, God will allow the Antichrist to do what he does and deceive the people. Because they, during his period of time here, will not believe the truth. But there's a lot of people who do. When you read... In the book of Revelation chapter 7 and in chapter 14 it says multitudes of people from the tribulation period believed on the Lord. Multitudes. So of every nation trusted Christ as their Savior. So evidently there's a lot of people who maybe never heard the gospel or if they did they believed it and they're saved and will go to heaven when they die. So yes I believe that after the rapture people can still get saved. I believe you can get saved until the time when you no longer, you know, unless you believe the lie that the old Antichrist comes up with. But I believe that you can trust the Lord. So he says here, in verse 7, For the mystery of iniquity. The mystery of iniquity is similar to the mystery of godliness. In the book of Timothy in chapter 3 and verse 16, it talks about the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Here the mystery of iniquity is Satan manifested in the flesh. There will be somebody that will represent Satan himself. He will have his man. And he says, The mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now hindereth will hinder until he be taken out of the way. In other words, he can't have the power and the rule until the Holy Spirit takes us out of here. You see, the Holy Spirit came and dwells every believer and will take us out. That's why we are sealed until the day of redemption by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, He was promised, He came, He indwells, and we're taken out. So then, during this tribulation period upon the earth, the worst period of time of all, 
says there's something else that's going to happen. So look there in verse 8. Then shall that wicked be revealed. When will the wicked be revealed? After we are taken out. So that's why I don't need to waste my time trying to figure out who he is. Now, he may be alive today. And whatever he does here, we may see somebody come on the scene that has all the characteristics of the evil one. And I've seen a few that I could say, yep, that's that, yep. Um, mm, 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 mm. But see, I can't be dogmatic because I don't have anything definite to go by. Because if I go by this, this is when he will be revealed. Not here. But because it's so close and we're so close, there could be an overlapping period of time where those who know Christ as Savior may have some discernment and can see some things that other people that are not strong in the Lord may not see. Because you obey the truth that you do have and walk in the light that you do have, God may give you additional light. When he makes the statement in the book of Daniel, he says, Daniel, seal up the book until the time of the end. Knowledge shall run to and fro and things like that. Well, I believe that it's not talking about so much the Internet and how fast knowledge can travel, which I am amazed at it. I really am. I, I'm just blown away with you can type a word into Google, and next thing you know, it's got two or three million hits on something in less than a half a second and tell you all these places. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it is totally mind-boggling how something can work so fast because the speed of light can travel around the earth, you know, 25 times in a second or something like that. I don't know. It's just incredible. But you're talking about how fast electricity can travel and how fast knowledge can travel. But I believe he's really talking about seal up the book means that the knowledge and the understanding of the book will not be revealed. Now, when you get to the book of Revelation, he doesn't say seal this book. This is for the people to read and to study, to know, because the book of Revelation unlocks the book of Daniel and helps you to see and understand what God was talking about. And so there's many prophecies in Daniel that you cannot understand. But the knowledge of the book of Revelation will help you to understand the book of Daniel. So therefore, knowledge has increased and things can be understood. But he says, things to the wise can understand. Now notice what he says here. In verse 8, And then shall the wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. So that shows you that the Antichrist is going to have his time before Christ comes back. His coming is after Satan's devastation upon the earth. So this is the worst period of time that the world has ever known. Stop and think. The world in itself, is it becoming a paradise? I mean, do you see a utopia coming upon the earth? Isn't it wonderful how everybody just loves everybody all over the world? Or does it look like everybody wants to mash that little button and blow everybody sky high? And everybody's mad at somebody. Everybody hates somebody. So they had to come out with a, a hate crime. And all the hate crime has done is cause everybody to hate everybody. Who cares whether you hate people or not? To pass the law, you can't hate anybody. Okay, I don't hate nobody. You mean you can pass the law? Don't love anybody. Don't love anybody. I don't want to pass the law. Will that work? 
America is stuck on stupid. They're stupid, but they're stuck on it. They don't know how to get off of it. Anyway, he says in verse 9, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, after, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. You see, Christ is going to come back. When He comes back here, and there's the judgment of the nations, all those that did not believe the truth, but they believed the lie, are going to be cast into hell. Well, when? They're going to, right here, at the judgment of the nations. Not over here. So people during the tribulation period can be saved. Take your Bible and look over there in the book of Revelation in chapter 7. Revelation in chapter 7. And you notice there in verse 9, this is in the book of Revelation, it is during the tribulation period, and it says in verse 9, after this, and right before that was the 144,000. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, and kindreds, and people, and tongues, stood before the throne, and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, and palms in their hand, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessed, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto them, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of the church age. Is that what it said? These are they that came out of what? So are there people who will trust Christ as Savior after the rapture? Yes. It is clear as a bell. But because there will be those who will believe the lie... When Christ comes back here, the judgment of the nations, all the people from the different nations are going to be judged, and those that are believers go into the kingdom, and those that don't believe are going to hell. They're going into the lake of fire, Matthew chapter 25. So I don't see a problem with, see, all Scripture has to dovetail. And when you find another verse that says, oh, that don't make sense, that don't make sense, God's Word has to all make sense. And you can't have it contradict itself. And I believe to say the other contradicts what these verses are saying. There's multitudes of every nation, every language, that will believe and trust Christ as their Savior. So I do believe that. And that's only a tidbit of what I wanted to say, so I'll just continue this on Wednesday night. But anyway, look up here. Aren't you glad that you can know what's going to happen in the future? See, I'm right here. This is where we are. There's the cross. That's 2,000 years. See, God has revealed to us what's going to take place. Tell us what happened, and it happened. What's going to take place, and we're right on schedule. But I'm glad to know that I can look all the way through this into the new heavens and the new earth and the holy city, and that's where I'm going to live one day. And is it because I'm so good? No. Who said that? I'm not going to heaven because I'm good.
I'm not going to heaven because I'm a preacher. I'm not going to heaven because I give any money and I pray and I do all these wonderful things. I'm going to heaven because of one thing, one thing only. Letting this hand represent you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. It means all of us are sinners. Everybody's a sinner. And God says this is the holy city and no sin is allowed into the holy city. Not even one sin. So you'll have to be perfect to get there. You got a problem? All of us are sinners. We've all done things wrong. And the wages of sin is death, so that's why everybody dies. God loves us, wants us to go to heaven, and that means we have to be perfect like the Lord, and none of us are. So the Bible says you cannot save yourself. You can't save yourself. You cannot earn your way to heaven by your good deeds. This end represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because He loves us, hates our sin, because it separates us from Him. So Christ took the sin, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And He said that if you and I, if we would believe that He did it for us, He would put that payment to our account and we get to go to heaven on what Christ did. It's the gift of God. God so loved the world, that's you and me, that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. Now, whosoever does what? Believeth. All you have to do is believe. When you believe it, this payment is put to your account. All my sins have been paid for by Christ. I have accepted this payment. Therefore, in God's eyes, I don't have any sins to pay for. Oh, I committed them, but I don't have any sins to pay for. Now, if I don't have any sins to pay for, I can't go to hell. I have no reason to go to hell. All my sins are paid. Christ paid for it. And all I had to do was believe He did it for me. Now, does that sound too hard? The people say, it's just so hard to be a Christian. No, all you got to do is believe He did this for you, and He'll give eternal life as a free gift. You go to heaven on what Christ did for you. And God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. You won't perish. You won't perish. It means you won't go to hell. You ain't got no sins to pay for. But you'll have everlasting life. You get to go to heaven whenever you die. The best news in all the world. No tricks to it. No gimmicks. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're watching by internet tonight, I hope that you understand what I'm saying. God loves you. He paid for your sins. And if you trust Him, He will save you. It means you must believe that when Christ died, He died for you. Came back again from the dead. And if you'll believe that He did it for you, He will save you, give you everlasting life, and you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. But if you're here in the auditorium, I'd like to know, and I'd like to have prayer for you. I'm not going to have you forward, not going to embarrass you. I do this with head bowed, eyes closed, so that you're not embarrassed. But if what I've said made sense, you say, Preacher, that made sense to me. I want to know that I'm going to heaven when I die. And so right now, I will trust Christ as my Savior. And I'd like for you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly, put it right back down. Anyone at all? you've never trusted the Lord, would you trust Him now? God loves you so much. Would you believe it? Our Father, we thank You so much for this time together. We ask Your blessings upon each one here. We're thankful, Father, for the opportunity we have to come together to study Your Word. We do pray for wisdom that in the times in which we live, we would know what You would have us to do. We need to know what our responsibilities are and stay focused. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.